Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hey, hey. So Roberta and I are so excited to do our first interview with one of my best friends from Alaska. She has been through thick and thin with me. Uh, We have only taught one year together in Alaska, but it feels like we've known each other our whole lives. And the reason that Roberta and I decided we wanted to start interviewing some teachers is to get a feel for how they do self-care in and outside of the classroom, how they take care of themselves, how they take care of their students, um, how they take care of their kids at home, and how they incorporate all of that into their day. So I really hope you enjoy our first interview episode with Becky Kevern. All right. Hello, Becky. Thanks for joining us and agreeing to be our first interviewee. We are very excited. Um, So our first question for you is we would like to know why you got into the education field, um, what your education background story is, and your Alaska story. That's a lot of questions on one. We'll see how far you get. Okay. Um, so why I got into education in the first place, I had worked with kids as a kid, um, at my church. And then, um, once I got to middle school, it was about sixth grade and I had grown a desire, a passion, uh, whatever you want to call it for special needs kids. And uh, I had decided in sixth grade that I was going to become a special education teacher. Um, that is what I originally set out and I set my goal. And when I got to finish high school, at that point, I had to decide if I was going to pursue college or pursue a different angle. And I am a um, one or the other. I have to give myself choices. And I said, I will either get into Winona State University and pursue the education or I will join the Marines. Kind of extreme. However, that's just how my brain works. And I had uh, been accepted to Winona State University. It was the one and only university that I applied for. Um, Got in and then just pursued the education um, degree at that point. Once I got into the actual program after like my, I don't know, sophomore year, junior year, I don't remember, it was a long time ago. um, I had, was still, I was still pursuing the special education However, the professor that I had at the time in my special education class was, in a lack of a better terms, an arrogant asshole. 
And I had decided that I was not going to learn how to be a special education teacher from him and had decided to change my major to just elementary education. Um, and then finished that degree in 2001. So I got my bachelor's in 2001 for with elementary education. And then after I got my degree, I had been subbing in my local area in Oak Prairie, Wisconsin and living at my parents' house. And while I was student teaching, my mom, back up a little bit, my mom had found an article in the local paper that was, they were recruiting for teachers in Alaska. And at that point, um, she knew I liked to travel. She knew that I liked cultures and learning different, you know, different cultures and stuff like that. So she gave it to me. I went to the meeting and that was when I was student teaching. So then come the fall of 2001, I was like, meh, I'm bored at home. I'm going to look online and see if they have a job. Boom. They had a job. I applied. And three weeks later, I was moving to Alaska. Um, so I actually moved. I was hired in uh, to be an emergency substitute at first in Koyuk, Alaska. And I was hired on a Monday before Thanksgiving of 2001. And I left on Saturday um, after Thanksgiving of 2001 with three bags and $300 in my pocket. And after I moved to Koyuk and I was there for about a month and a half, came home for Christmas, went back up there, um, finished my time there. And at that point, the district was like, well, we don't really have a teaching job for you, but we have this job at the district office. And I was like, Meh, sure, why not? I was 22. I mean, I might as well make use of this time. So I did that. And when it came, so for the rest of the school year, and I was able to travel to four of the different villages in Alaska um, and got to see a little bit different area and, you know, things that other people can't see or aren't able to see. And when it came time to decide for the next year, um, the personnel director at the time asked me, he's like, do you want to continue this job or do you want to be in a classroom? And I said, I want to be in a classroom. And he said, take your pick. And I got to pick where I went. So I went and spent four years in Koyuk, Alaska again, and, um, teaching the first and second grade. And then after that, I was like, meh. We had to, I had some personal things that were going on, um, and I decided to move to another village, which is when I moved to Stebbins to teach first grade, and I was there for five years, which is where I met Ashley, as when um, her and Matt had come up to Alaska as well, and after five years in Stebbins and nine and a half years in a village, I was like, mm, I'm in my early 30s, and I really kind of need a life other than just this, because, you know, since it's so remote. So then I moved to Fairbanks, Alaska, where I taught um, kindergarten. I was forced into kindergarten, not, a, not an area I wanted to ever do, but I was forced into kindergarten, taught kindergarten there for two years. After my first year in Fairbanks is when I met my husband, who was military at the time, and he knew he was moving in a year. And I said, not without a ring on my finger, um, would I move with you? We ended up moving to South Carolina and to Shaw Air Force Base in the summer of so 2013 we moved to South Carolina um and then I was teaching when we moved to South Carolina I took a year off to um pursue my master's to, or to finish my master's degree which oddly enough ended up being um early childhood education because I fell in love with kindergarten after being forced into it in Fairbanks um fell in love with it so decided that's what my master's was going to be in so Finished my master's while in South Carolina, taught two years third grade there, 
And then I, he was the medically discharged from the service in 2015. Um, it became official in 2000, the early 2016, where he found a job here in Florida doing the exact same thing he did in the military. However, he is a civilian contractor and makes fairly decent money. And it's something he loves to do. He loves to fix F-16s. So then I got a job down here teaching at the um, school right near the base um, and taught kindergarten for five years and then just this year moved to second grade. So that in a nutshell is my background. <laughs> a nutshell, yeah. I love I, it that you were forced into kindergarten. I think I was also forced into kindergarten. I was in second grade and didn't want to, wanted to stay and then got moved to kindergarten and loved it. Yeah, I, I taught kindergarten, when I taught kindergarten here for five years, I really enjoy kindergarten, but I was getting, I've always had a, um, a belief for myself and my, my teaching style is that if I feel like I can't do anything else to change or to make a difference in that area, I need, I need to change. So that's why I decided to go back or go to second grade. Um, and my principals were behind me hundred percent. They said, we, we need to keep you happy. We want you here. So Try and I also got to have um, twelve of my students that I have I had when they were in kindergarten. So yeah, isn't that fun. so fun? Mm-hmm. That was fun. Mm-hmm. So I love and I I love listening to everybody's Alaska stories because it's it's always like I got asked to do it. I said yes a couple days later. <laughs> I moved up there with a couple bags and no money and. <laughs> It's always like very similar story every time I talk to somebody about moving up to Alaska. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of Alaska, what was the hardest part for you about living in Alaska? And maybe it's different based on where you lived. I really don't know like fully what the hardest part. I think the absolute hardest part was being away from my family because my family's all in the Midwest and Minnesota and Wisconsin. However, I learned very quickly while I was in Alaska how to build my family. So I've taken that and everywhere I go, I build a family. So, and I'm still very close to my family, but I have family here. I have people that I can, you know, 100% rely on, you know, and and trust. And we do things together like family. Um, So it's, the hardest part was probably just being away from my family, but I also learned very quickly how, like how to handle that. And especially cause I was young. I mean, I was in my early twenties. I was by myself. I'm been known to be kind of a chameleon, you know, just kind of blend in where I'm at. And that's kind of just what I did. Um, the other probably harder part was the resources available to teachers. Um, Like if you didn't have it there, I mean, Amazon wasn't big when I first went up there. We didn't have, you know, the smart boards and the technology. And I didn't know how to teach with that stuff either. So it was almost harder coming into the lower 48 where I had those things. It was, that was almost a harder transition for me is having unlimited resources at my fingertips. So, I mean, in general, I mean, I really don't think, I mean, Alaska wasn't, wasn't super hard for me. And I think like you and I had two very different experiences, but I mean, like you went up single and I went up married, not that that was hard or anything, but um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it was conducive to you because you stayed there for so long. So, <laughs> well, and, um, I would still be in Alaska today had I not married somebody in the military, which I told myself that, you know, like 27 years old, I'm never going to leave Alaska and I'm never marrying anyone in the military. <laughs> I also learned very quickly never say never. Right. Be careful with my words now. <laughs> oh, okay. So aside from the uh, like resources and stuff, uh, what would you say are other some other major differences from Alaska versus other states that you worked in? Because I mean, you started in Wisconsin, then went up to Alaska, and then you were in South Carolina, and now you're in Florida. Did I miss anything in between there? No. Mm-mm. Um, so some of the biggest differences honestly has to do with the students and what the students have access to and what the kids have access to, um, up there, if there's a problem with a child, you know, you have to call social services or something like that. A lot of times problems are swept under the rug and you just see those kids suffer and suffer and suffer. And you just want to take them home. Like you want to just give them a good home if that's the situation that they're in. Um, and, and just like resources, as far as you know, clothing. I mean, my mom used to send me, you know, little gloves and socks and things like that for my treasure box. And because there, there's not really the resources there for them to get. And they were so excited to pick, I mean, they would pick a pair of socks over a candy bar and a treasure box because they didn't have their own socks. They had to share them with their siblings or whatever. Um, and down here um, in the lower 48, it's just, I think there's just more resources available for kids. Like our school here at Tennant, like we do a lot for the kids. I mean, they get jackets and coats and backpacks and there's, you know, all the churches do drives and stuff like that to get kids supplies that they need. So I think there's just more resources for the kids to, and families to have access to things that they may not have had access to as easily in Alaska, in, in the village in Alaska. In Fairbanks, it was a little different because it was, you know, a bigger town. So how about... um not just like school-wise, but what about like um, environment-wise, like for you personally? Oh, um, well, in Alaska, I mean, there was, when I lived in the village in Alaska, I mean, we had to make our own fun and our own entertainment. And down here, I'm, it's almost, I almost get more bored in the lower 48 compared to when I was in Alaska, because there's so much that you can do here that it's almost overwhelming. And for me, I, I like having like to kind of create my own fun, but here it's a little bit different where I can still create my own fun, but there's just so much like, Oh, I want to do this. And I want to do this. And I want to do this. And I want to go here and I want to do this. And it's like, okay, well, I don't, you know, you just kind of get stuck in a, um, well, I don't want to drive and do it. So I guess I'll just sit at home and watch Hallmark movies and drink my coffee. That's <laughs> where <laughs> me and you are very similar because uh, I'm, I like that like older way, you know, like when the can or when the electricity goes out at home, that's kind of like what it's like in Alaska. Like yeah. your electricity went out. Oh, we have to figure out something to do now. Let's light the candles. Let's play games. Yeah. Let's. Or like when, the, movie. like when the water, like the water would, um, <laughs> when, 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 when we, in sevens, we would run out of running water and it was glorious for me because I couldn't shower. So like, yeah. and I don't want to 
to shower. It's a necessary evil. I do it because I want to have friends. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's just my brain. And um, so it was, you know, like the water ran out. So what did I go do? I started shoveling snow and I would shovel buckets and buckets of snow to melt, to cook with, or to brush my teeth with, or, you know, things like that. Where yeah. here, it's, I mean, yes, I don't think here we've ever run out of water. Now we did go after um, we had the major hurricane, we did go 13 days without electricity, which wasn't super hard. Um, and, you know, we had, a, we were able to have a generator and stuff, but like, to me, I was like, oh, it's seven o'clock. It's dark. I'm going to bed. Okay. I remember when we used to have um, dishes parties because we would have to fill one sink full and mm-hmm. then do all the dishes all in one sink full of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so different. Yeah. Like here, I mean, I live in Florida. There's water everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally. All right, so switching gears a little bit here, um, how does having ADHD tendencies affect your teaching, maybe in positive and negative ways? Um, well, I just a little backstory on that. I just recently discovered that I'm undiagnosed ADHD, um, you know, from a good friend here, uh, Ashley. And I always knew that I was um, very spacey and like, um, like my brain could just, just like shoots in all sorts of different directions all the time. And I have a hard time focusing on tasks. And then it wasn't until she mentioned it and I started researching it and I'm like, Oh yeah, I think I am on an undiagnosed ADHD. Um, so the biggest thing for me in teaching, I think it has a major positive effect in the actual working with the students because, um, I have high energy I teach primary, so their brains are all over the place. So my brain matches with their brain. Like I can keep up with their questions and their randomness and what's going on. Um, it, I think it also helps with multitasking in a classroom because, you know, any teacher has to do so many different things at one time. And it honestly helps me being able to helps me continue and be able to do that. The negative side of it for as far as teaching uh, is actually planning because I'll go down a ra- one rabbit hole of something and be like, oh, I just spent an hour researching this that I had didn't really, I didn't need to do that. Um, so I have to be very cautious and aware of what I'm doing when I'm planning. I also find it a lot easier when there's no one else around. So I have to kind of lock myself in my room um, to do my planning and to get that stuff done, because I will be distracted by things going on in the hallway or, you know, other, you know, like an email, and I'll get an email, and I have to, like, really focus on turning those things down and off, so I can Mm -hmm. do my planning that I need to do for my students, so it definitely has some, um, probably more positive um, effects on my life, on my teaching life, just, you know, but it does have, the negatives is mostly just for myself and planning and getting my stuff done. Like I have to, you know, set my schedule and be like, okay, by Tuesday, you have to have this plan for the next week. And by Wednesday, you have to have this planned. Otherwise Friday comes and you're staying until six o'clock at night. So, yeah. And I can relate to that, to planning. I think that was my hardest thing. I have some ADHD and OCD tendencies and 
transitioning, you know, to prep from like being with kindergartners and all that randomness was my hardest thing. But I, I would always turn off my lights, close the door and I would hide under my desk so that no one knew I was in my room and I wouldn't be bothered and I could get my planning done. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't have to hide under my desk. Um, a, I don't think I would fit very well and I'd probably hurt myself. Um, <laughs> that and I'd probably go down some rabbit hole and end up cleaning behind my desk. and scrub that, yeah. the So um, that's also a problem. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I understand that like the, being able to stay focused is, is difficult. Now for me from transitioning from kindergarten, because after my first couple of years in kindergarten, I had everything that I needed and I could just pull it out and change it based on the kids that I had that year. Um, but for second grade, cause I'm learning all new, you know, curriculums and stuff for second grade. Um, that's been, and to be able to ask the higher level of thinking questions and that just takes a little bit more time, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. How about, <laughs> how does it affect you in a positive or negative way outside of teaching? <laughs> um, very similar to school. Um, well, like I mentioned earlier about having, if there's so much overstimulation that I get kind of stuck in a rut. And I feel like that's probably the negative of it when I'm at home is, um, I, there's so much that I could do as far as like outside of my home. I mean, other than the cleaning and the, you know, ugh, I have to cook too, which ugh, I don't like that. But, um, you know, other than like the day-to-day things that you have to do, I think the biggest thing is that it's very easy for me to just be like, no, like I'm not going to do anything because I don't know what I want to do. And there's so much that I could do. And then it's, it also with, you know, having my dogs and my husband and having the plan around them makes it difficult where it's just easier to, you know, kind of sit at home or be at home. Um, as far as positive, I mean, the biggest thing is that once we are doing something like I can, once we like decide, especially if we plan it, um, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to do this and it's going to, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and I can go. And I just, I thoroughly enjoy it. Like the other day we went, we had decided with some friends to go to Wakulla state park And I was super excited. Normally on a Sunday, I'm not going anywhere. Usually on Sunday, I stay home. I watch my golden girls. I drink my coffee and I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. But we had decided to meet up with our friends um, from Navarre. And we went to Wakala State Park and we ended up seeing, we just walked around. We ended up seeing manatees. Like it was a beautiful day. Love doing that kind of stuff. Absolutely love it. But it, it almost has to be like a planned thing. Um, especially when I'm by myself, if I'm with somebody, it's easier to just get up and go when my mom's here, it's easier for us to just like, I'll get up and be like, okay, let's go do this. And we'll go do it because I have someone to do it with. It's hard when I don't have someone to do it with. And you talk about your family and your friends here. So how, how do you teaching can be an 80 hour a week job if we let it. So Mm -hmm. how do you balance, you know, work, family, friends, the life you want. Um, how do you balance all of that? Uh, well, I'm still figuring it out. Honestly, I think we're always trying to figure it out. Um, I think the best thing for me is I have, I set daily goals, you know, like I want to get this done. If I don't finish it by 
you know, 3.30, 4 o'clock at school, I will bring it home. I don't have human children here. So it is a little bit easier for me to be able to sit down and get a little bit of work done at home. My husband is very um, understanding of that. And I'll just tell him before coming home, hey, I'm bringing home work just so he knows like, okay, I'll be outside working in the yard, leave her alone kind of thing. Um, so for me, balancing that is it's, it's okay. I like to be busy. I like a routine. Um, I do have a harder time when I'm on break, like right, like now I had like yesterday, there was a plan today. There's a plan. I'm already worried about tomorrow because I don't have a plan. So if I have a plan in place or I have a goal set in mind, so that's just kind of how I roll at home with balancing school and, and, um, and work is just having a plan and trying to get it done. My, um, my husband likes it when I do get my work done before the weekend, because then he'll, he'll actually say, he'll be like, Oh, you have a whole free weekend. You know, we can do anything we want. Um, since he doesn't work weekends either. So yeah, I just have to set goals and I have to, you know, try to keep things organized in that way for myself. Yeah. I think we can all kind of relate to that too. I'm struggling with that a little bit on break right now mm -hmm. as well. <laughs> I think that's just teacher, um, like teacher's nature. Yeah. Like we, we work right. well on a routine and a schedule. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So kind of switching gears again. Um, how do you make time? Because this is a podcast about like self-care mm -hmm. for moms and teachers mm -hmm. and self-care in the classroom. So how do you make time for self-care at school for yourself? And then um, also, how do you do it at home? Um, well, this whole self-care thing, um, <laughs> I didn't realize that it was a thing. Um, I'm, I'm very much a person. I live off of helping other people. And um, it's, I will, you know, basically run myself exhausted to do something for someone else I, it gives me fulfillment but uh for school i just for my self-care it i make sure that i give myself my time so during my planning period i i give myself at least 25 minutes of uninterrupted time a day where i know that i'm not going to have i don't schedule a meeting if unless it's a school meeting then i can't really help that but I really try to give myself of my 45 minute planning period. I really try to give myself 20, 25 minutes of just focus on me and what I need to get done <clears throat> um, at home. Uh, the self-care really started. Uh, what, when did I, whenever I started Beachbody um, and working mm -hmm. out year and, and now I, yeah, like um, I really, uh, and now I work out with one of my best friends from a different friend from Minnesota and we FaceTime three days a week and that's like our time, you know, we get like an hour together three days a week in the morning and we work out together. We start getting ready for work together and that's my time. So I get up, um, really early. Um, I'm usually up by four o'clock in the morning, um, because we work out at four 30 because of her schedule. My husband also has to leave for work early. So I'm usually up when his alarm's going off anyway. So like today I was up at four, um, yay. <laughs> on break up at four. Yay. Um, but yeah, I just, and then I have my, I, it's usually in the mornings, like on the weekends, it's usually the mornings is my time. My husband's usually sleep. He usually sleeps until like about nine. So I get 
a couple hours of just drink my coffee and do whatever I need, I want to do. Most of the time it's watching Golden Girls, honestly. Like I have that for my background. So <laughs> it's just zone out time, I guess. I really love that you and Megan work out together because that's how Roberta and I started doing Beachbody together too, getting our workouts in and everything. So mm-hmm. that made me really happy when you told me that you were doing that with Megan, yeah. um, like a year ago. Yeah. And we just, we really enjoy it. I mean, we, and I think a lot of it is just, we, it's, it's just a fun way for us like to get ready in the morning. Like she, you know, I'm feeding the dogs and she's getting her lunch ready and we just, it's just fun. I mean, we just, we do enjoy that part. So, and it keeps us going because we would both, get kind of lazy so it just keeps us into it I just whatever I can fit in you know some quiet time sometimes I'll go upstairs and just walk you know just sit by myself all right so now we've asked the self-care at home and at for yourself so how do you incorporate self-care and emotional well-being into your classroom with your students well I have, I I never really was aware of like the mindfulness um, before. Um, Unfortunately, we had that category five hurricane three years ago, and then we had a pandemic the next year. And then we had, we're still dealing with the pandemic the last year and then this year. Um, So one thing that I do in my classroom is we do like the mindfulness little videos where they have to breathe and like really self-reflect. When I'm talking to my students, or like working with them, like if they're super upset and we, you know, we just, we talk about it, it's like, just take a breath, like, you know, breathe it out and then let's talk about it. Let's, you know, let's, because you have to explicitly teach them social, emotional, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, regulation. Yes. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Um, You have to, we have to explicitly teach them, especially these kids who have been through so much. So we do a lot of like with the go noodles they have, I mean, it's beautiful because they can just choose, you just choose a little mindfulness and then to get ready for the next, um, next thing that we're going to do. And then also if they're just being, you know, if they're really high, you know, like emotional that day, you know, we'll just stop. And it's just, you know, let's just reset, you know, we got to reset. Sometimes we have to reset in our life. And they see me, I mean, I model it for them. Like if I'm getting super frustrated, I'll say, you know, Miss Kevin needs a few minutes, let me just breathe. And let's, you know, reset and and to do what we need to do. Um, So I think a lot of it is just explicitly teaching them how to do that, and that it's okay to do. Um, It's okay. And I also teach them it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be excited. It's okay. Like all of that is okay. That's all part of our human nature. And I think in the past, so many teachers, it was like, you have to be, you have to just be, you know, like content all day. No, they don't have to be content all day. They can get mad at me. I don't, I mean, it's an emotion. They're allowed to be mad. It's how we react to that is what I try to teach them is, you know, how you react when you're mad or how you react when you're angry is what they need to learn to do because we have to learn that as you know as adults I mean how we respond to a situation is that's our choice and you know we have to learn how to okay maybe we need to walk away and take five minutes and breathe and collect our thoughts and get things in order so I think the biggest thing for me in my class with self-care is just teaching him them that they have that they need to do it it's important 
and then model that for them. They see me like if I get super upset or super, you know, frustrated with something and they see me, they watch me do it. So then just, yeah, modeling is very important. It is very important, um, especially when they're, especially with so much technology and everything. And they see all this stuff that they probably oh, shouldn't yeah. ever see. And mm-hmm. they, they don't learn. I mean, unfortunately learning how to, um, respond to situations is not something that is taught as often at home. Well, and I think especially because of, so those of you that don't know, um, Becky was in her area. They were in a huge hurricane. How many years ago was that? Four? It was was three years ago. It was October 10th, 2018. It was a category five hurricane, the third largest hurricane to hit the United States. Yep. And so, I mean, like I've been talking a little bit about trauma and stuff on, I think the last episode it was. Um, and so just like thinking about all of your students have been through trauma in your class, like depending on where you are in the world, um, I would say not all of your students have experienced trauma, but I would say for you, all of your students have experienced trauma (laughs) within the last three years. And I would actually disagree. I think at this point where we are right now in the world, I would say that all students have experienced trauma yeah, with, with the, the pandemic yeah. and, and the virus <laughs> and all that. I mean, that's, it was traumatic. I mean, when you all of a yeah. sudden are in school and then boom, you're not in school and that might have been the only place you could safe. I mean, I think all students right now are dealing with so much more than they need to be dealing with. And figuring yeah. it out. And then you hear all the negativity and they, you know, they hear all mm-hmm. that and then they're spewing it out and they don't really, they don't like, especially our, like the younger kids, they don't, they don't have enough of the background to form their own opinions. And they're just mm-hmm. regurgitating what their parents are doing. Well, depending on how their parents are regurgitating, that is how they're going to regurgitate it. And it's like, well, no, you know, some people have different thoughts and that's okay. You know, we have mm-hmm. to be kind to one another. So that's a big thing in our room is just, you know, to spread kindness. And in our school, we have a, we actually have a kindness um, grant this year. So we're like really focusing on community outreach and kindness this year, just because we all need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, this wasn't one of the questions that we had prepared you for, but what, what do you, what is your, do you guys have a specific like curriculum or program for self-care and emotional well-being like I know our elementary school in Hinkley has one I'm not sure what the name of it is um and then our high school has one I'm not fond of it but we do have one Mm-mm. we don't have like there's not a specific curriculum we do these character traits of the month and so where they're learning about different character traits and then there's lessons that go usually with the morning announcements that go along with that um, And then as far as like a specific curriculum, I mean, that would be the only thing that's like super specific. We do have this kindness grant that is teaching them, you know, how to be kind and really focusing on um, identifying and, and giving kindness out. Um, So, but we don't have a specific program. That's kind of what, I mean, where I teach in my school, um, we're free to, kind of, you know, do what we need to do that what's best for our students. Do you or your school have any specific ways that you bring parents in on helping their students, maybe if they have an emotional, social, or mental health um, 
you know, issue come, that's come up or, or something that maybe you notice or? Yeah, we actually, which is one of the great things, I mean, one of the good things that kind of came out of the hurricane, um, we have a triad team of mental health counselors at the school. And they are there simply for social emotional support of students. So they do like pull out like lunch bunch where they'll meet with the kids and do lessons on, on mindfulness or self-care or self-regulation. So we have that wonderful team of people along with our regular school counselors. So we have regular school counselors, which their job has become mostly, you know, like the, with like IEPs and 504s and things like that and, and um, organizing those kinds of things. And they are there for the social emotional support of students too, if needed. But with this triad team, it's just really nice because, oh, and we have a, they call it the promise room and it's basically a de-escalation room. So if a student is so like losing their mind, we can call the promise room and they can come get them and they have, um, you know, like beanbag chairs in there where they can sit and they can de-escalate and do they have lessons that they'll do with them so we have two different places where our kids can go and this it it should be in every school I mean if it's not it's because they haven't been able to hire anyone but they they have the opportunity to have those teams um where I'm at for my school because we are a uh we are right on base and we have a lot of military students uh, we also have, a, they're called MFLEC, and so they're another person that's there specifically for military students and to help um, them, you know, with parents on deployment or, you know, moves and, you know, PCSing and all that kind of stuff that, that children have to deal with. So we have, I mean, we have the support team, and then all of the staff has to take mental health um, professional development. So we're all kind of trained a little bit, I mean, not very much, but a little bit in, you know, dealing with students that have been through trauma and things like that. So I think that we have a pretty good support team, you know, at our school for that reason. Nice. I like hearing what other schools are doing. Yeah, especially when it works. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. really does. I mean, I've, you know, I've gone to them and I've said, you know, this is a student and, you know, they've had, um, you know, these are the things that they're showing, like, what can we do for them, you know, and it's, you know, you always have to contact the parent and be like, hey, I want to talk to, you know, so-and-so about this. Um, but I think the biggest thing in, in my school, especially, is the communication with the parents, too. Like, we, you know, we don't, we, we don't really sugarcoat issues. It's like, this is the issue that we're having. You know, are you seeing at home? If not, then how can, you know, what can we do to help your child? Um, but then also, if they are seeing it, be like, hey, here's some resources that we can, you know, offer your child. Um, within the school because it's just there's just a lot going on in the world and unfortunately mental health needs to be at the forefront um, mm -hmm. for kids I mean I grew up in a you kind of suck it up buttercup kind of world um, mm -hmm. still a very firm believer in suck it up buttercup kind of person but there's also a need for the support with the mental health and things that are going on so right very there's a mental health awareness area that we all need and then there's the suck it up buttercup area that we also all need <laughs> yeah we kind of need both but I think just having the mental health like I mean there are so many I don't I mean just world the world has changed and it's not as simple as it used to be and I mean when I was growing up in the 80s 
in the, um, that kind of tells my age a little bit, you know, the, the <laughs> 80s and, and 90s, um, you know, there wasn't as much of a, there wasn't a stigma of, oh, you have, you know, you, I didn't have to act a certain way. Like I could just, I felt like I could just be myself and it didn't matter. And nowadays kids are dealing with so many pressures of things that they, sh- you know, people think, or they, ex- they think people expect them to be like, and it's like, well, you know, like you, you can be yourself and you can make your own decisions and choices. And there's just so many other outside pressures coming in. And a lot of it, I will say is due to technology and social media. I mean, technology is wonderful. You're able to do like these zoom things and you know, all that, but technology is also a downfall in our society and then kids are involved in it and mm-hmm. that is not okay. So 100% agree. <laughs> See a lot of it in the high school with phones and social media mm-hmm. and oh my lanta yeah. that's a whole nother podcast yeah I was gonna say like that, <laughs> that, that's like a whole other rabbit hole to go down yeah. <laughs> so I think we are going to ask you a couple of rapid questions now we did not prepare Becky for these so I don't know Roberta you would just want to take these over sure sure All right, so we have three questions for you. The first is, what are you grateful for in this current season of your life? Be anything, big, small. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for the roof over my head. I'm grateful for the people in my life mostly. I mean, I just have some of the most amazing human beings at my side. I mean, it'll almost put me in tears and I'm not a crier. Um, most amazing human beings. I think that is number one, the people that I have in my life who I have supporting me, I'm just the most grateful for. I mean, they know me, they, you know, I can trust them. Um, and, and the big thing is they know and understand me because I'm a, you know, sometimes a very unique individual in things that come out of my mouth. And I just, I'm allowed to be myself. And that's the greatest thing that anyone could have is they can say something totally random and weird and they're not looked at like they have three heads. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. The people that I have near and far, I mean, I'm not just talking the people right here in, in Panama city. I'm talking the people that I have built around me, my support team, it, it's nationwide and who could ask for anything better than that. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's important to have people and Ashley's to have your back. Oh, <laughs> I will also attest to the fact that Becky is a very unique individual. That's a very, very nice way to put it, Becky. <laughs> oh, I, I, as my parents once said, um, well, one of my friends, sorry, the side note, one of my friends um, met my parents and a friend from Panama City. And well, first she met my husband's parents and she said, she's like, oh, I can see his personality in each of his parents. Like she could, she could pick it out. I mean, it was like, this is what he does because of his mother. This is what he does because of his father. And it is, you can sit in a room and know exactly where his quirks and his things come from. And then she met my parents and she sat there and she goes, I have no idea who you are more like. She goes, what? Like you what? Like, where did your personality come from? And my mom's response was, well, you know, we did raise her to just be a very independent, unique thinker. And well, it's biting us in the butt now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, yeah. So it's just kind of funny. 
So that is funny. Yeah. All right. So question two. Okay. Uh, what book are you reading or maybe what podcast are you listening to right now? Um, so I haven't picked up another book. I have a drawer full of books, but with um, my brain, I have to be like in the right mood to start a book because I have a hard time getting into books. So if it doesn't catch me right away. So the most books that I do read in general are um, mysteries of some sort. I do like like historical ones that are based in tr- real places. Um, I do like those kind of you know, those mysteries, but podcasts, I am currently listening to a couple different ones. Uh, I'm listening to, uh, crime junkies, which is a a true crime. Um, I do like true crime. It's very bizarre. My husband gets very nervous. Um, (laughs) I listen to your guys's podcast every once in a while. So yay. Cause I mean, honestly, it kind of started out as like listening to it as like a selfish thing. Um, cause I wanted to hear Ashley's voice. Um, <laughs> but, and then I also listen to, there's a comedian, um, fortune themester. Um, I listen to her podcast sincerely fortune because she just cracks me up. Like she's just funny. So I listen to those. Those are the ones that I listen to the most. So you'll have to send me, you'll have to tell me what that one is afterwards. I need a funny one to listen to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's so funny, but she's taking like a six week time off. Um, but she's so funny. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. And then the last one, uh, what is a daily routine or a part of a routine that you're really proud of? (laughs) Uh, um, I'm very consistent at making my coffee in the morning. Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) yeah, I, I guess I don't, that's a really hard question because I'm really bad at routine. Um, however, my morning routine, typically I would have to say when I'm at school, uh, when I'm working is my working out and then getting my dogs, um, fed and out and taken care of cause they're my babies, um, and the cat she, but she's easy. She's a cat. Um, so I think just establishing that routine was a big thing that I'm proud of. Um, because I've kept with that same routine when I'm working, um, since I started working out. So I'm really proud of that, that I've actually been consistent at that. I'm very proud of you for your workout routine as well. Yeah. And it does keep me on track. Like I have, and then the days that we're not working out, I still have the same routine. I get up, I let the dogs out. I feed the dog. Like I still try to keep everything the same minus the, um, you know, working out part. So just having a routine has really helped, um, helped me a lot. So, yep. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mamas podcast at gmail.com or the teacher mamas podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, Don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.